0: welcome to the wolverine digest podcast the best spot for objective and authentic coverage of michigan athletics if you want open dialogue honest opinions and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue this is the podcast for you and now here's your host brandon brown joined as always by chris breitler Chris, would you ever get plastic surgery? Would you ever do it? Like, let's say, like, let's say somebody came to you and said, I got the bill, man. If there's anything out there, if there's anything about yourself that you just kind of wanted to touch up or fix a little bit, would you do it? Or do you have like a stigma with plastic surgery? Or is it just like, uh, eh, I'm a guy. I'm 37. I don't, I don't care. I'm married, whatever. Where do you, where do you land on that?
1: Well, does does uh, liposuction count as plastic surgery? I think you could count that. Okay, then count me in. If somebody's <laughs> if somebody's, somebody's foot in the bill, I mean, honestly, man, like you know, losing weight is such a pain in the ass, and I know I have yeah. to do it. Um, and you know, I've been on all sorts of. I talked about the juice diet I was on not too long ago. Um, but yeah, man, if I could get somebody to just kind of help me take care of the midsection, get me right, get me to where I want to be, I feel like it would be a lot easier to maintain the healthy lifestyle. Mm. But it's it's the combination of the healthy lifestyle plus being out of shape physically that just, you know, making it over that hump is so damn difficult. So yeah, sure. If, if somebody's willing to pay for it, I'll take the lipo.
0: I hear you. I hear you. For me... Right here dude. This guy right, right there, That <laughs> guy right there. So here, so here's the deal. I'm I'm six foot, six one, about two hundred and five pounds. I'm not like a hefty person. I mean, we've seen each other in person. I I don't think most people would describe me as a fat guy. I'm I'm 30, about to be 37 years old. I've, I've, I've accepted my life as a dad and this is the body that I have right now. could it be better. Absolutely. If I could get in the gym, cut down on the pop, I'd be in a lot better shape. But even when I was skinny going back to when I, I mean like skinny, skinny. I know we kind of knew each other when I was younger, dude, I was a beanpole like it, like I'm talking like 140 pounds when I graduated high school at like 5'11", 6 feet tall, like I was a rail. Even then I had a little bit of this little like neck gobbler here dude, it's like a genetic thing in my family. And it just kind of is there. Like, as I start to get older, I already know what's going to happen because I can see my dad and I know what my grandpa looked like. I'm going to have these jowly things right here and a little (laughs) bit of a turkey neck. And it it doesn't even matter. Like, I could be in the best shape of my life, and I'm never going to have that chin that's just like a chiseled profile look. I've I've never had it, even when I was young, in shape, you know, playing sports all the time, skinny, whatever. It just was there. So, like, I'm a little self-conscious about it. Like, I'm doing fine, dude. Like, my wife is pretty bad i'm good but every you know like sometimes when i'm like out with people and i've taken a picture especially if it's from like down here i'm yeah, like you, good god like how many chins do i have right there? you gotta
1: get the well how's how's your beard game i mean at it's some point poor. Are you able to, okay. it's poor right. this
0: is about as good as it you gets, can dude. you
1: can offset a, a lot with a good beard game you know? so
0: i have already found out I don't know if I want to give my secrets away, dude, because I go on camera on here, dude. But, like, I know (laughs) this – it doesn't grow in real thick. But if I can get it to about this length right here and then shave that line – Okay. It pretty it, it, it does a good job of, of camouflaging what I got okay. going on right yeah. there. Okay. You know, I mean, it's a small thing. I don't think if anybody saw me, they'd be like, God, that dude's neck is freaking the grossest thing I've ever seen in my life. But hey, it, hey, b- look, it bugs me, know. and it's been there for my whole life, and it's a you genetic know. thing, and thank you to my grandpa, and my dad has it, and my aunt has it, and it is what it is men want to look good too. You know, we, we, you know, the whole dad thing has
1: really caught on, but you know, we still want to look like we got our shit together. So
0: nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with, but again, this is like, it's like, it's like the Apple watch, man. I was like, Oh, those are dope, but I'm I'm not going to get one for myself. Then I won one for a Christmas party and I feel like a badass when I wear that thing. Not not so much anymore. Not so much anymore. It was like five years ago, but I still wear it. So with the plastic surgery, same deal. If a guy or girl, was like, hey, I got you. What do you want? I, I yeah. might, I might do it. All right. I'd have to think about it because, like, you're going under the knife. You know, like, I don't know. But if there, if there was one thing, I think that would be, I think that would be it, man. So I you're going for the
1: chin, it. the chin neck area. I'm going for the love handles. I, yeah, the mid-section.
0: I, don't, I don't even know what, if there is like a. I'm assuming there is where you can just kind of. One hundred
1: percent, yeah. Pull that bad little... boy up a little tuck a little face tuck yeah right? i
0: mean i got i used to have a dude i used to have a money little jawline dude i got the chin <laughs> dimple like i was killing it out there dude and now i'm 36 and a young tom brady packing it on a little bit and this thing is just and these guys are starting to i'm um, you know it's all downhill from here for us right
1: <laughs> how what, long are we gonna? How,
0: what a depressing
1: start! To how the long podcast. are we gonna? How
0: long are we gonna do this topic? What? We shifted gears into a brand new realm of podcast right here. Are you happy, gentlemen? Are you happy with yourselves? Because we're clearly not. All right, here we go. uh First Michigan-related topic is, I think, a, a bummer, man. We're, so we're gonna go bummer, awesome awesome bummer that's that's how we're gonna and and for for everybody who doesn't know at this point we are gonna close with another layer of this dr anderson thing um every time we've talked about it we're like all right we're gonna let it rest for a while unless something happens and and inevitably something has happened every time i mean so we'll, we'll get to that last but um first we're gonna talk about michigan missing on its top quarterback target in 2022 and nate johnson i mean we've talked about him before you and i were both pretty high on him because of his dual threat ability i mean he ran you know, sub ten five, like the fastest fastest hundred meter time in the state of California during track season. So the guy can really go. Plays wide receiver. So if you get him and he doesn't pan out at quarterback, or he's not quite spinning it like you thought, you'd bump him outside, and you've got a legit weapon out there with that kind of speed. Yeah. And it was Michigan or Utah. He was in Ann Arbor last weekend for his official visit, and five days later, he's a U. I, I just, I, I mean. It doesn't really need a spin. I don't think this is like, oh my God, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen. Michigan was on its way if they get him. But I also don't think you can just be like, nah, eh, wh- whatever. I mean, it was Michigan yeah. and Utah. Like, that Michigan's got to win that battle. Like, yeah. if he's their number one target, which he 100% was, that's confirmed, you got to get this guy. If that's the guy you want, you got to get him. And they had him in, on campus, they brought him in for an OV now he's you. I I yeah. think this is a bummer. I think it's kind of a sign of where things are right now a little bit tumultuous. Not the best optics for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I don't know if kids really give a rat's ass about the Robert Anderson stuff, but bad press is bad press. Yeah. But it's I think it's a bigger picture about what we've talked about before, the offense under Josh Gaddis, the lack of development at quarterback, all of those things. I just th- I think this is a bummer. I mean, if I'm if I'm a little too strong on that, put me in my place, man.
1: You know, I don't think so. I think that we've talked about it quite a bit that there are, you know, if you are a highly skilled recruit, you know, quarterback, running back, wide receiver type kid, you know, is based on what you've seen so far and the way Michigan utilizes those guys, is Michigan a destination for you? And I think probably to an extent, some of that played a factor. And then also the fact that he's from. California, You yeah. know, he's from, he's from out west. Utah is obviously a bit closer to home, so gives him the ability to, you know, play away from home without being too far away from home. Um, I certainly think all of those things play a, play a factor. But, but let's be honest. If Nate Johnson is your top guy and you're a program like the University of Michigan and you're handling your business on the football field, I mean, year in and year out, mm-hmm. you are competing for conference championships, you're knocking on the door of the college football playoff, you get a guy. Quarterbacks like Nate. are quarterbacks Correct. are the big numbers. Correct. Yeah. If yeah. that if that's happening and you want somebody like Nate Johnson, you're going to get somebody like Nate Johnson. So I think the points you make are valid. That you know until Michigan gets over the hump and has a breakthrough year and shows that they belong on you know within that group, you're going to have things like this happen. Now the the counter argument could be you know well Utah certainly isn't knocking on the door of the college football playoff year in and year out, and that's right, but from a from a personnel development standpoint from proximity to home all of those things are going to start to play a factor and when you look at it and you say how can Michigan lose a guy like Nate Johnson to a program like Utah that's how you know there's there's several different factors that go into it and I don't think you're off in any of that
0: yeah I mean I looked into that a little bit um because in my head when I say Michigan versus Utah it's like I I mean it's it's a It's a no brainer. I mean, just kind of my, my perception, obviously what I'm familiar with, what I've seen over the last or my whole life. I mean, not even over the last so many years. I mean, I've been a Michigan person my whole life and don't really know that much about Utah if I'm being completely honest. Um, but Kyle Whittingham has been at, at Utah since 2005. So lots of longevity, lots of consistency there with him. They've won the PAC 12 South three times, including twice in the last three years. Um, they won a mountain West champion. I mean, obviously different animal when you're talking about that, but he's got a conference right. championship under his belt, different animal at the mountain West, but he still has it, but yeah. he's won the South, uh, you know, three times and they, 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 he's got the same winning percentage as Jim Harbaugh over a lot yeah. longer period of time. Just about what Jim Harbaugh's won 69% and Winningham was like 67, 68 and some change. I mean, like almost identical. Right. And you know, we, we've talked about it before with the, the way the offense has looked, and it, I, I don't think Utah has been, like, lights out offensively or, you know, pumping out you know, first-round quarterbacks or anything like that. They've had some nice players. Tyler Huntley was pretty good for them a couple years ago. He's now backing up Lamar Jackson for the Ravens. Like, I mean, so that, that's that's decent. He wasn't drafted, but he, he did make an NFL roster and he even played in a playoff game last year. So, you know, they, they've got a little bit that they can hang their hat on. It's interesting because Michigan pitched Lamar Jackson – to Nate Johnson. They're like, this is the guy we want you to be. This is the kind of zone read type stuff we want to run with you. Yeah. Matt Weiss, the quarterbacks coach, he came from Baltimore. So like right. this was an angle that they pitched to him and it didn't work. I, I, I mean, you, there's no other way to put it. Like I said, this yeah. doesn't have to be a spin. I'm not saying that the program is crumbling because they didn't land this kid. But if you, I, I've, I've just seen some really weird, it, it this happens every time whenever a kid picks another school, the excuses come out of the woodwork, like every excuse you can imagine. I mean, I saw somebody say, you know, Michigan's, he didn't pick Michigan because of Michigan's quarterback room. And I'm like, I really, because the quarterback room isn't much to write home about right now. If you ask yeah. me, um, you know, they're like, well, JJ McCarthy's there. And then Dante Moore's come in and I'm like, well, w- wait a minute. I'm like, Dante Moore hasn't even started his junior year of high school yet. And he's not committed like, yeah. if you think that that kind of stuff is affecting Nate Johnson, I just think you're crazy. I mean, not to mention guys at that level, while playing time and, and getting on the field early is certainly a factor. I just don't think that, like, a Nate Johnson, who's about to be a senior, is afraid of some junior who's not even committed. Like, that just that's just yeah. too much. Like, you're reaching too far, in my opinion. Well, but- to
1: be – To be fair, I I don't know, and maybe you have some insight into this, I don't know what the quarterback room looks like right now at Utah. I do know what it looks like at the University of Michigan, and between Cade McNamara and Alan Bowman, you've probably got two years' worth of quarterback there, and then you've got J.J. McCarthy on deck. And so maybe if you are a kid like Nate Johnson, you're sitting back and kind of looking at this thing realistically. You know, if you're thinking maybe it's two or three years before you get a legit shot, maybe that's something that plays into – Uh, Your decision making, but you know, you're right. Like, as far as what the quarterback room looks like at Michigan, the the quarterback room hasn't really set the world on fire since Harbaugh's been there. So, to look at that room and say, Well, I don't have a shot because these guys are a sure thing, there hasn't been a sure thing at the University of Michigan in, in quite a while.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the depth chart right now. Quarterback Charlie Brewer, I believe he's a transfer, and Peter Costelli. Charlie Brewer's a senior, he started. Thirty nine games, which wasn't at Utah. Let me pull him up real quick and see where he came from because the name sounds familiar. And obviously, he hasn't started that many. He was at he was at Baylor, so they got a they got a transfer quarterback in there from Baylor who put up a lot. You know, obviously, put up some pretty big numbers, um, and started almost forty games. So I mean, like, yeah. But that's this year, and and, and that's that's a little ways down the road when you're talking about Nate Johnson. But the point is. It's not like oh, I'm going to walk in and be the guy from day right. one. Like I don't think that's the case anywhere. Like it's power five, big time football, right? And 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 I think another thing is look at
1: the track record for Jim Harbaugh quarterback recruits: Brandon Peters transfer portal, Dylan McCaffrey transfer portal, Joe Milton transfer portal, and so. You know michigan has and we've talked about this a lot in terms of like recruiting and all the tools that michigan has at its disposal there are very few programs in the country that can offer from an academic standpoint from an athletic standpoint the type of things that michigan can offer but these other things count you know whether or not you can develop quarterbacks that counts um you know whether or not you you know rise to exceed expectations on the football field, those things count. Um, And I think kids are, you know, more and more are going to factor those types of things in. And like I said before, I think if Michigan is a legit conference championship contender and they're knocking on the door of the college football playoff, they're landing some of these kids that they're missing on.
0: Yeah, I mean... Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I mean, there's evidence that supports that. I mean, that's why the rich get richer. That's why the teams that win a lot of games get the best players. And it it, it is kind of a, uh, you know, chicken or the egg thing. It's like, you know, do you yeah. get good players because you win or do you win because you get good players? It's like, you, they kind of have to go hand in hand a little bit. You gotta, you gotta be able to step up and win some big games, make a splash, get people paying attention to you, you know, get the guys that you want. I mean, that, that, that's, that's how this starts to work. And again, like Nate Johnson, we're not talking about a kid with 50 offers from Alabama yeah. and Clemson and LSU and Georgia and all the Florida schools and Texas. Like Michigan and Utah was it for him. Like that that's really all he was considering at this point, and Michigan didn't land him. So now they're back to the drawing board um, with Connor Harrell and Justin Martin. Justin Martin's already committed to Cal. He was on an official visit there this weekend, I believe. or He was visiting. I don't know if it was an official visit, but he was there, and then Connor Harrell is from Alabama. I mean, you're, you're talking yeah. about two guys that – are not just easy plucks for a place like Michigan. So yeah, it's the the recruiting picture does look a little bit, a little bit murky in 2022. Now, a lot of people think that Michigan is in a really good spot with Dante Moore, but I mean we're talking about 2023 now. Like he's got two right. full years of high school left. Like yeah. you, you got to. You gotta take care of one thing at a time. So if as a fan you're making peace with what you think is gonna
1: happen with a twenty twenty three recruit. Yeah. Just I mean, stop all that right now because yeah, I mean, it, there, I there's say, enough that's happened to know that you cannot count on things right.
0: like that. And I would say as somebody who I know Dante quite well. I've seen him play. I've known him since he was a you know an incoming freshman when it looked like he was gonna be the starter at King. Like I've known him for a while. I would say that Michigan's got the lead, but it's just I mean, dude, he's a he's it's the summertime before his junior year still. Yeah. I mean, like let, let's, let's relax a little bit on that and take care of what we can take care of first. I mean, JJ McCarthy came in with a lot of fanfare. It looks like he's not even going to see the field this year. And then yeah. you've, you know, now you don't know what's going to happen in 2022. We'll see what happens with Dante Moore down the road a little bit, but you know, that that's, that's the situation as it is right now. Nate Johnson, number one target off the board, committed to Utah a little bit ago. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a bummer. Like I said, I'm not trying to put a spin on it and say it's the worst thing in the world, but I don't think you can just dismiss it as like, eh, whatever, not a big deal. I think I think there's some I think there's some meat there. I think there's yeah. something worth discussing there, and it's a, it's a it's a miss for Michigan, no doubt about it. On the other side of things, Michigan got a commitment today from C.J. Stokes, a running back out of South Carolina. I heard about him, didn't know a whole lot about him though. I mean, I, I knew that Michigan had offered, I knew that he was, you know, visiting, but I didn't really think he was going to commit all the uh, you know all the reports you can read and all the things you look up and all the things you try to find out about this kid was that he was a heavy South Carolina lean he's from Columbia I mean so yeah. right there where South Carolina is has an offer from the Gamecocks but might not have been made a priority by them and you know now he's a Michigan commit I Wasn't ready for it. I mean, you know, you and I are texting a little bit about something completely different. I'm like, oh, by the way, uh, here's this. Yeah. And you know, neither one of us are even at a computer at the time. I mean, that's kind of how it goes on the weekends. And I tweeted about that. I'm like, man, I've covered recruiting for long enough to know you don't make plans when there's a big visit weekend because inevitably you'll miss something. And I did. And that's that's okay. But in the last couple of hours, I you know I, I jumped on and talked to some people at Sports Illustrated about him. I looked up some of his highlight tapes. You know, read some backstories about him. I actually think this is a nice get. He's not yep. the highest rated kid in the world. He doesn't have a ton of big time offers, but when I put on his tape, I really like what I see. I mean, this is like a legit four-four, four-five kid. So he's not, you know, he's not the fastest back in the country, but he's got plenty of long speed. He's got great forward lean. He's got a lot of wiggle. He's got some vision. He's got some power. Like he's just an all around solid back from what I can see. 5'11", just under 200 pounds. I like it. I, I mean, I, like I'll say when something's, not great like when when somebody commits and i'm like i think this was a bit of a reach like i will say that i like what i see from this kid from the little bit that i know about him and obviously i'm going to learn a little bit more over the next couple of days and hope to put a breakdown up with his film and stuff like that but from what i see right now i i like this commitment
1: Yeah. Same with me. It was, I, when I got the text from you, I'm like, all right, let me, let me start looking up and and see what this kid's about. And you look at the ratings and you're like, "Eh." and you look at some of the things that are written and it's like, okay. And then you turn on his, his game film and I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, you know, great vision on the field good pad level, looks like a strong runner, but he's also quick. And when he gets into the open field, there weren't any – as far as I could see from the highlights, nobody was catching him when he was Mm -hmm. in the open field. Um, And so, you you know, you're right. He looks like a phenomenal all-around back, a guy that is, you know, on the field all three downs, you know, can carry – can be that workhorse. Um, Obviously, he's going to have some competition there when he gets to – you know, when he gets to Michigan, but I think overall – This guy was a bit under the radar, but a very, very solid pickup for Michigan and has every bit of an opportunity to be a a contributor
0: as anybody else in that room. So I think it's a good get. Yeah, it is. I mean, like I said, this this isn't a program changer by any stretch, I don't think. But, you know, when you can go into SEC country and get a kid that was – you know, in the shadow of the school that looked like he was going to end up at, and and steal him away, like that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, yeah. you know, so credit to Mike Hart, who I, I I knew would be good for Michigan as a running backs coach. I mean, I don't think there's anybody out there that was that was worried about that. You know, his his uh, his ability to recruit, his ability to connect, what he brings culturally, um, what he brings, you know, schematically, X's and O's, uh, yeah, all of it. I mean, I I just he was. He him and Steve Klinkscale, I said all off season, like those are those are two great hires. I think you're splitting hairs if you try to determine which one might be the better hire. I think yep. they're both they're both really freaking good. And now we kind of see some evidence of that from Mike Hart on the recruiting trail by Landon CJ Stokes out of South Carolina. So well,
1: and and that's and and you know, we we were talking about it a little bit um, you know, during the first part where um, you know, we were going over Nate Johnson and how Michigan can lose out on the guy. You know, you look at what Michigan has done With the running back room, prior to Mike Hart's arrival, and, you know, if you're a big-time running back, I'm not sure why exactly you would want to come to Michigan just looking at the way that they've been utilized and what the production has been. And so, you know, for a kid like that, you're right. He's in SEC territory. You know, he's. he seemed like he was a solid lean to South Carolina. For him to come to Michigan, I think that that really speaks a lot to the new staff that's in place and, in particular, Mike Hart and, and what they're planning to do with that group. And so hopefully we'll see a lot of that, you know, this upcoming season but, um, you know, kudos to uh, to Mike Hart for a solid get.
0: I'm still so, so anxious to see what that looks like with Mike Hart yeah. running the show. You know, what that rotation yeah. looks like. Um, you know, how many carries in a row does a certain guy get? I mean, if he's hot, does he stay in there? Or is there this, you know, kind of weird, no-explanation reason to take guys in and out? I mean, we saw that under Jay Harbaugh. And, again, yeah. this is, you know, was it – was it Jay Harbaugh by himself? Was Jim involved in the rotation? Was Gaddis saying, I want this guy in for this package? I mean, like, we don't know the exact ins and outs of who's making the call. But, I mean, if if it changes a lot this year, which I think it will, man. I mean, Mike Hart is not going to come to a place and just sit quietly and take a back seat. Like, I was just
1: going to say, like, He's, so,
0: he's got to be so confident yeah. in what he does that he he's going to put his fingerprints on how this position is used.
1: I mean, we've, we've gone to, you know, some of these camps, and – you know, I know that I know that Mike Hart doesn't want to do interviews with the media, but stand <laughs> stand within the vicinity of him. Like, just watch the way he carries himself. Watch the way he interacts with players. Nothing about him comes off as a guy who's going to be passive in terms of how no. his pers- personnel is going to be used. I feel very confident that we're going to see you know a different philosophy in that room, and that I think he's going to have his fingerprint all over the way
0: these running backs are used. And I think I that's thought, going
1: to that's going to be good things for Michigan.
0: I thought he might fight you. I mean I thought that was it. I thought that, I'm like, Chris, I, I Oh, don't get too close, dude. Don't don't follow him like that. No, we were we were at the Ferris camp. I'm sorry, we were at the Wayne State camp and yeah, Sean yeah. Newell Sean Newell showed up and Mike Hart showed up and we were up in the press box at the time. And Chris is like, All right, I'm gonna try to go down and talk to talk to Mike Hart, which nobody got a chance to talk to him that day. A couple other yeah. reporters cornered him and he you know he did he pulled the no no comment or no interview card which whatever i mean that's probably not coming from him if i have to be completely honest but we did yeah. get a chance to talk to newell but anyways so i'm still sitting up in the press box and i can see chris kind of like <laughs> like loitering around almost like,
1: like a almost like a vulture right kind of just like hover- it's, it's hovering such about a, yeah it's
0: kind of a weird dynamic it's something you and i talked about you know where you're kind of getting started in this stuff and obviously with things opening back up um as more, as the summer moves along, we've been at a couple of things in person and you're kind of just like, yeah, you just gotta follow them around like a creep. And when yep. you get a chance to talk to him, you try it. <laughs> You even said like I think you went in the bathroom, dude. But I don't really want to. I don't. I'm not
1: gonna. I'm not gonna pull that move. I'm not gonna go. Stand I was. I there. was this close to uh, to taking the stall next to him to see
0: if I could get a question out. And, you know, he,
1: and at that point, he's trapped. There's nowhere he can go. So. While he's pissing. So, Mike, yeah. how's the uh, yeah. how,
0: are, how are things with yeah, the recorder? <laughs> how's over that running shoulder. back room looking? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not doing that here at Wolverine Digest. But yeah. no, it no. is like you, you've got to you've got to try to find your spots to get in there and talk to him. And at a camp, they're also like they're in drills and they're standing out in the middle of the field. We weren't, you know. A lot of times, the the media is not allowed to just trot out there. Sometimes you can. Yeah. Sometimes you can mix and mingle. And the, the 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 Michigan football showcase at Ferris, we were everywhere. Damn. We were out on the middle of the field, talking to this guy, talking to that guy. A lot more access there. Most of them, you're on the sidelines, and the coaches know that, so they go to the fifty, and that's where they that's where they hang out. At that's what Mike Hart did all day. Uh, at one point, when they were transitioning fields, we tried to grab them. No dice. Anyway, it is Wasn't what it happening. is. I still really like that, that move. I still think he's going to be really good. I still think he is yes, going to be going, I don't know if aggressive is the word, but I mean, I think he's going to be assertive and he's going to want to want to be the freaking coach. Like, this is my position group. These are my guys. This is what we're going to do with them. Like, obviously it's not going to be his final say, but I, I, I get the sense that how he, like you said, how he carries himself, how he conducts himself, like He's not coming to Michigan to change it up and be different all of a sudden, like right. you know. Plus, he's he's back home, man. Like he's yeah. a he's in there, and I just think that's going to be a big, a big, big difference and a big change on offense. I'm really anxious to see that. I mean, obviously, quarterback, obviously, O line, obviously, what do the receivers do? Obviously, everything. Is, you it know, is Gaddis going to be you know going to take a step in the right direction this year instead of the wrong direction? Running back usage might be right up there for me as my most interest, my most intrigued. Uh, Storyline. I think quarterbacks probably everybody's number one. It can't, yeah. It's hard not to be, but running back is right there for me. But
1: I, I think when it comes to the running back, the you know the running back group is. There's an excitement there because you those have you have some known commodities and they're, they're pretty damn good. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of question marks everywhere else on the field outside of guys like Aiden Hutchinson and, you know, Brad Hawkins who are coming back on the defense. Like, you know what you have with those guys, Dax Hill even. Um, but on the offensive side of the ball, you know, among all the question marks that exist, that running back room is very solid, very talented. And if they can be utilized the right way, I think you're going to see, you know, something that we haven't seen at Michigan in a long time. which is, you know, you get somebody over a 1,000 yards.
0: Yeah, that's just, that's again, comes back to that rotation. You know, if a guy pops off 60 yards on a drive and scores, he should be in again the next time you get the ball. You should not see him for two quarters, which is a a specific example that we saw last year with Hassan Haskins. Just hard to explain that, hard to defend that approach. So we'll see what Mike Hart does with that group. Michigan basketball. Also picked up a commitment over the last couple of nights. I think this was like late night, maybe Wednesday late night. night. It felt
1: like it came through on like midnight.
0: Yeah, it came through real late, which is kind of strange because Doug McDaniel, the 2022 point guard, is a West Coast guy. He's a DMV guy. So I was thinking, you know, I wondered why he waited till that time, till that time to let the news drop. But, that, hey, whatever. It's his decision, his show. And uh, people were still really excited about it. This is a guy that, uh, that Jim Harbaugh, Juwan Howard, Likes a lot. And despite some less than ideal measurables, we'll say, I mean, this is a small dude. I mean, he's listed anywhere between five, eight and five ten, and a buck 45. I mean, like this is a small cat. I mean, that's, that's small for a point guard for even for a point guard in division one, big 10 basketball. That's, that's a little guy, but he's, I mean, he's a scrapper. He's feisty athletic as hell. I mean, there's, he's getting up and throwing it down at five, eight, five, nine. I mean, that's not a problem for him. I mean, he's not, he's not going to yam on somebody in traffic, but on a fast break, I mean, he's putting it down, can shoot it really quick, really fast. And my favorite, favorite thing about him, like, dude, this guy is a passer. Like every, every pass he makes is like got a little flare and it's like on the money and he's putting guys in a perfect position to score. And that's what, that, that's what you want as a point guard. Uh, yep. In your point guard. I mean, I played a little point guard in my day and <laughs> I tend to, I tend to gravitate towards the point guard position and I love watching dudes play like he plays. Is he small? He is. He's small. Uh, but everything, every single other skill you want in a point guard, he's plus plus in my opinion. I mean, there's not really anything he can't do other than be big. <laughs> like that's yeah. pretty much it. When you look yeah. at him, you're like, damn, he's pretty little. But look at him look at him make plays and look how he gets after it
1: yeah it's it's that's exactly where I was at like you you look at the height you look at the weight and immediately you're concerned and then you turn on the, the film and you watch him play and he it's, might I want to say
0: real quick before you to me it is more the weight almost than yeah. like thats that is a yeah. that's a slight slight guy when you're that small, like you're not gonna be 190. Like you're, right. I mean, you're just not. Like when you look at his frame and how he's put together, I, I I'm more worried about that than than the height. If he, even if he is a, an official five foot eight, like you, yeah. you can make that work. It's not yeah. ideal, but that's 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 as light as any Division one prospect as I've seen. I think it's,
1: you know it's light. It's it's light for that level of play, but. Like I said, you turn on the film and you look at the way he passes the ball. You look at his quickness. You look at his defense. You look at his swagger. Those things all count. And I don't know, maybe, you know, you take all those things together and he plays like a guy who's six foot and, and, you know, maybe a little heavier. I just think mentality and the way you play and the way you carry yourself can make up for a lot. I mean, I've seen dudes that are huge that just don't have the right mentality to, that that works with their frame that are soft as hell playing playing mm. the game of basketball he is not that and so I get why people are hesitant to be excited about it when you take a look at how tall he is and how much he weighs um, but when you watch his game film it's hard not to be excited about a player like that um, obviously Juwan Howard wanted him for a reason and at this point I don't question what Juwan Howard's trying yeah. to do if, if, if he wanted that guy there's a good reason why he wanted that guy, and I have no reason to doubt or to be skeptical of what Juwan Howard is doing in Ann Arbor right now. So I'm glad he's here, seems excited to be a part of Michigan, and uh, look forward to seeing him.
0: Chris, I didn't want to jump in on you while you are making your, making your thought there, but more breaking news. Michigan has oh, landed boy. another football commitment. Aaron Alexander, uh, kind of a speedy – you know, it's funny, man. Uh, maybe funny is not the word. I don't know. He's a viper. Like that's exactly what this dude is. He is a six foot two, two hundred and 4'4", kind of a safety, kind of a linebacker. He's from Belleville, so a local kid, and that's that's great to see. You know, maybe a fence being mended there. There's been a little bit of bad blood between Belleville and Michigan over the last couple of years, but I know Jermaine Crowell really well, the head coach at Belleville. I, I, he's he's a funny guy. I've always gotten along with him really well. I understand why there's been a little bit of a fallout here and there, but he he's never been the kind of guy to push a kid towards any school. Like I, I can say that like the conversations we've had, I know that he doesn't do that. Now there has been maybe some, sometimes where he hasn't been as, he hasn't been as, um, motivated to get on campus. Cause he, I mean, I don't think they 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 were seeing eye to eye on some things. And I don't know if the Michigan staff worked hard to get him on campus. So I think it was a two way street for a while but getting a commitment from a kid from Belleville is always a good thing. A local kid, he's going to understand it. I'm, I'm sure he probably grew up a Michigan fan. That's what you often see with these local kids who pull the trigger early. He just got offered last week or the week before after a nice camp performance at the big house. Can really run. But, like, this, is, he's a viper. It's funny. Yeah. Like I mean, you, he's even got, like, long hair. You look at him, you're like, that's – that's William Mohan, who just transferred. Like, why again? I said this when he. Well, why the hell did he leave? Yeah. Why the hell is suddenly the the viper position just canceled and you can't use two hundred and five pound linebackers who run four four? Like, I I don't get that. But anyway, now they've got a commitment in place from Aaron Alexander from Belleville. Not going to spend a ton of time on him because I haven't had a chance to really look at him all that much. But I've seen I've seen bits and pieces. I've seen little clips of him running around here and there. Rangy, athletic, can cover side to side pressure the quarterback, do a little bit of everything with a versatile guy like that. So thoughts real quick because, I mean, you didn't even know what happened until I threw it up there and said it because it it came across uh, my ticker. uh, My initial
1: thoughts are, you know, camp season is definitely underway. Obviously, the coaching staff is working hard to get as many of these these talented kids on campus as they can, and you can see it's starting to pay some dividends. And so, you know, they're hard at work. I'll have to dive in and, and, you know, learn a little bit more about this guy. But from the surface level, it's – sounds like it's the exact type of kid you would want at the University of Michigan so you know we'll see when we look at them
0: yeah this will be interesting too this year um you know as a person who used to cover recruiting exclusively like that's all I covered when I was with rivals at least for the last four or five years earlier on I was doing a couple other things when I was when I was low man on the totem pole you know hey we need an interview with the uh, swimming and diving coach go do that that kind of thing but Um, it it was weird not going to any games last year and I probably could have, but I mean, a lot of it was just like, you were wondering if the games were going to get played and like, you know, is there a weird protocol? Like, do they want somebody coming and standing on the sidelines? Or if I go, do I have to sit up in the stands? You know, is there distancing? Like, so I didn't go to any games in person last year and it was weird. I, and now that my role has changed, I'm not only covering recruiting more, I'm wondering how much I'm going to get out and see these guys, but like Aaron Alexander right down the road at Belleville would be a kid I could see easily. And like I said, yeah. I know coach Crowell really well, so I could easily pop in there and do that. So more coverage coming on him is the point I'm trying to make as a guy. I haven't really seen much of before. Don't know a whole lot about him other than, you know, what I just said, The the, the speeds there, the size is there the versatility at linebacker slash safety, kind of a hybrid guy. And he's local, local kid from Belleville. So
1: we'll see what that ends up turning into. And we'll, uh,
0: you know, see how much coverage we can get on him in the coming days. Again, I'm out of town right now. Chris isn't exactly plugged into the recruiting scene that way. So we'll, we'll cover it as we get to it. But that's another, another blast of positive energy, at least from a yeah. weekend at Michigan where they could certainly use all they can get. I mean, this is another, not the highest rated kid in the world, not a million offers from all the big powerhouse blue bloods, but an athletic versatile kid that you can do some things with, and so we'll see how that ends up playing out with him and look forward to seeing him in person. Couple comments here. What do we need? Oh, good work. Thank you. Appreciate that. I thought we had I thought we were gonna get some questions about the recruits there, but anyway. All right, you ready, dude? Uh How's yeah. your mental health? <laughs> How's your mental health with this thing, man? It's
1: got, it's gotten better, you know, over the past couple. Of, well, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Not uh, not talking about it, you know. Yeah, we, we yeah, took and, a couple and, days off. Yeah, needed to it needed a, a little bit of a mental health break there. But you know, I, obviously, we've talked about it before, and it's not something that we want to keep. You know, we we don't want our platform to be this or be this exclusively, but. To not report on it and to not talk about it is just—you you can't do it. This—if you don't think this is a big deal yet at this point, you're sadly mistaken. It's a very big deal, and getting bigger. And and it's getting bigger, mm-hmm. and it deserves to be covered. So.
0: Yeah, it's starting to get—it's starting to get um, picked up by some of the national media a little bit more. Uh, certainly with Big Ten Media Days around the corner, like people are going to start doing their homework and they're going to say, like, "Whoa!" Like. I, I think a lot of people around the Big Ten or, are know already, but some of the national people are really going to dive into it. I think as it continues to move on, and I mean it's like I, it's like I said, um, or like we've said every time, it's like all right, well here's here's our live stream, we're going to talk about it because this happened, but next next episode we're good, like we're cool, like we're not going to spend all the time on it unless something comes up, and then something comes up. So yeah. yesterday while I was driving, um, and you know while. We were kind of figuring out if we were going to be able to go live or not or if the timing was going to work. You know, some point during the middle of the day, this letter comes out. This letter from over 100 people, very some very prominent people. Jim Branstadter, again, out there saying whatever the hell he wants to say at this point. Um, now Dan Deerdorf, the other part of the Michigan broadcast team, Jack Harbaugh, who... I mean, like that's. Just, I mean, you're the head coach's dad, man, and you yeah. coached there before. Like you, you now, you're attached to this, yep. which makes it hard for for Jim. You know, Jim said what he said at Ferris State. It wasn't the worst thing in the world, but it wasn't good. I mean, we both agreed that he kind of put his foot in his mouth. No comment would have been better, but there's a lot of things he could have said that would have been much better, and yep. he didn't. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not ready to you know I'm not ready to drag Harbaugh for that necessarily it was pretty insensitive it was pretty tone deaf but given the setting the, the you know the length of the of the statement I like eh, it wasn't good it's was pretty bad but this stuff that's kept, that's happened since then has been like like Twilight Zone shit like I don't even know I don't yeah. even know what I'm hearing you know at this point so the letter you know John Falk. Uh, you know, the, the, the long, long time. Oh, I, you know, actually I, I forgot I put this up here. Here's the list kind of small. So I apologize if you can't really see it, but I'll be able to see some of the names. Um, Craig Dunaway. That's a guy I've had numerous contacts with, you know, when his kids were uh, playing at Michigan, Jack and um, Carter Dunaway uh, actually ended up, he committed to Michigan, ended up going elsewhere. But you know, point is these are people that, that are alive and well. And speaking on this pretty openly, I mean, you can look through the names there. John Falk, we said, uh, Steve Everett, um, John Gindia, who I've met before, Jim Hackett, former athletic director. I mean, there's a bunch of names on here that Michigan fans are going to know, you know, before our time in a lot of cases. But the point is, a 100 people have now attached their name to this defensive Bo Shenbeckler, and they're basically saying, I, I don't care what everybody else is saying. Bo's the best and he wouldn't do this. I mean, like that's essentially what it comes down to. Yep. It's more, it's more of the making him into this, making him into this person who's above reproach and could just, there's no possible way he could do any wrong, which is just stupid. Yep. I mean, it's just stupid to say that about any human being who has ever walked on the earth. I mean, I think people who know me well would say like, good dude, great dude. But there's nobody on the planet who could say, like, he would never do anything wrong. Like, that's just – it's crazy. It's a crazy stance to take, especially when you've got so much evidence that something was wrong and that Bo did know about what was going on. I just can't – I can't really comprehend, like, what they're trying to do with this. Uh, I – let me say first that
1: I understand the desire to want to – Defend Bo Schenckler. If if you were one of those people that were you know you were close to him, had you know had a ton of respect for him, part of his family, I get why, you know you're seeing some of the things come out in the media and you want to defend his character and and you know make sure that his legacy isn't tarnished, but this. The way that people are going about it is—you're right. This is just stupid. Like th- this letter did not need to go out. Like you can you can draft up a letter that's uh, you can you can make it into a chapter. You can make it into two chapters about how great of a person Bo Schembeckler was. It doesn't change a damn thing in terms of what happened and what some of these survivors are saying they went through. And so the way it comes off is that you've just decided because of. What your experience was with Bo Schembeckler, that nobody's to be believed. That these that the survivors, basic that's that's essentially what you're doing when you sign your name to a piece of paper like this. Ooh. You're basically raising your hand as one more person that doesn't believe what these people are saying. I think it's a really shitty stance to take, and I think that if you know you know, like John Vaughn said that they want the University of Michigan to cooperate with a investigation with the attorney general's office. Mm -hmm. And I think that if that does indeed happen, all these people that are signing their names to these lists, you're now going to be part of a witness list as well. And, and somebody like Jack Harbaugh, he's wrapped up in this, and I think it is a really bad look to attach your name to something like this when your son is the head coach at the University of Michigan and is already in a really tough spot in terms of how he's going to handle this, what he's going to answer. The fact that he signed his name to
0: it just is going to make things more difficult for Jim Harbaugh, and overall it's a really poor look. And this is another weird thing because – this is a, I mean, this is a powerful, far-reaching group on here. You know, you're talking about Brandstatter and Deerdorf and Jack Harbaugh and the former athletic director. There's a couple of women's names on there, so and you know, I don't even know who they are, but obviously it's not just football players is the point I'm making with that. It's a, it's a, it's a wide-reaching, somewhat powerful group in terms of who these people are. So if you're not on that list, what, is, what does that mean? Like right. that's another weird thing. It's like you know this isn't the, the these. I aren't didn't the, see Lloyd Carr's name on that right. list. Right. You you know these aren't the only people that were approached about being on the list. Right. So what does it mean for the people that aren't there? Did they did they know? So you're 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 just like you're just putting so many people in a weird position. Yeah. And making everybody kind of be like, well. What what does what does that mean? Why would you say that? And if if you aren't if your name's not on there, does that mean you know right. something, or does that mean you just don't want to be attached to this right now? If you're passionate about it in one way or the other, you should yeah. speak out. Like, there's just so many weird things that I think about when I look at the list and when I look at what the words say. Do you, do you know it,
1: it, how irrelevant this letter is? It's no different from you know when Brandstatter tried to bring up Kukowski and his drug abuse, and and you know ultimately like. That has nothing to do with what he went through. Like, those are two separate things, right? Being sexually assaulted is one thing. Having an issue with drugs is another thing. You can't use one to, you know, to sort of justify the other or or vice versa. You just can't do that. And so, like I said before, if you want to come out and you want to talk about how great of a person Bo Schembechler was and you want to sign your name to it, that's all fine and good. But it doesn't change anything that happened to these people mm-hmm. who went through it. And, and and where I'm really, you know, where I'm really struggling is, you're right, where are the people, you know, there's, there's obviously notable names that are not on this list and people that didn't sign their names to it. Where is the group of Michigan folks that are willing to put out a letter to come to the defense of these people and say hey we need to listen to what these guys are saying this is a big deal this is bigger than Bo Beckler. this is bigger than than wins and losses I just I find myself really disappointed you know we're both Michigan fans obviously love the Michigan football program but man am I disappointed with the way this is being handled by the Michigan community it just seems you know, I, I I don't know how to come to terms with
0: it. It's very disappointing. Another another two groups of people I thought about when I saw this letter and I saw the names on here. So you take let's take Jim Branstadter just because he's one that a lot of people know because of his current role, but he played at Michigan, obviously. Um, what about a teammate of his who was assaulted, who now sees this list and is like, Brandy, what the hell are you doing, dude? Right. Like we were we were boys, man. We were brothers. We were line mates. We were roommates. We were locker partners. We were you know, we traveled together on the bus. Like, how dare you? Right. How freaking dare you? Or how about another person who was not assaulted, but seems to have his head on straight and and says, "Brandy, what the hell are you doing? You right. can't say this. You cannot say this about these people. Like, the, you know, both of those groups of people exist. On and on, I don't know how many it is. They're
1: I don't know how ma-
0: I don't know how many people would be willing to say those things to Brandstatter." Publicly, privately, or, you know, on a phone call and a text, whatever. But but those two groups of people also exist. Somebody who hasn't wasn't in the Wilmer Harrell report and wasn't you know at the at the press conference and hasn't said anything publicly, but knows. Damn, dude, I lined up next to Brandstatter for three years, and I know what I went through. How dare him, man? Right. Screw that guy. Like seriously, like this is driving such a wedge, between the Michigan family, yep. like. I'm not saying take away the, the Anderson side or the victim side of the things, but like the the actual just guys who played football together like are such a brotherhood. And this is just driving a spike between them because there are multiple groups of people who exist victims, non victims who knew but didn't say anything, non victims who might not have known who are looking at this from both sides. Non victims who fall on this side of the fence, which is just insane to me. Yeah. And non victims who fall on the other side, where they're like, dude, no, we got to, we got to help our guys, man. Yeah. We got to love these guys. We don't, we don't need to take shots at them or discredit what they're saying. It's right. just, there's just so many different brands of people in this thing right now that, like, putting a letter out like this is just. And you know, it's really, I don't even know what it's trying to accomplish. You know, what's really shitty
1: about it is like, there's always this. Well, we want to be clear that we feel for the victims, but yeah. but the next three paragraphs are, are basically attempting to discredit them and call them liars. Yeah. So it's so disingenuous that anybody who's got their shit together can read it and say, You know, this is clearly you're putting one man above the stories of all of these people who claim to have experienced this. And even if you're skeptical, even if you don't believe Bo Schembechler was capable of knowing and not doing anything, you have to at least be willing to entertain it because these people are saying this happened. Yeah. Right. You can't if you weren't in the room and you weren't part of those discussions, you can't come out and say what Bo would have or would have done or wouldn't have done because you weren't there. These are people who heard it. They
0: saw it. They talked to him and they're telling you this is what happened. Guess what? That that this is this is funny too. uh, all the people who are like, I need proof. I need proof like firsthand witness testimony is proof. Right. People go to jail based on that. Right. Like, if you think about it, anybody who's in jail for a sexual crime, like, very rarely is there hard evidence. Because they happen behind closed doors and in private settings. And when it's just the accuser and the monster, that's it. Like, those are the only people involved in almost all these types of cases. Yeah. So firsthand witness testimony of something that happened to them is proof like that is enough to put someone's ass in jail. If that's what what we were talking about here. Right. It's not and, and, because and if the people you, are dead and this is a civil thing, but like it's still enough. It's, an, right. it's enough already.
1: And if you're if you're in the camp that it's like, well, this is just an attempt to tarnish Bo Schembechler's legacy, like there was no appetite to tarnish Bo Schembechler's legacy mm. prior to any of this coming out. There wasn't right. like there wasn't like a group of the Michigan fan base that was like, we got to get this guy, we got to come after him. That, that just wasn't reality. That's not a motive. In right. This, that, in that's this not thing. a motive. And mm-hmm. if you need evidence of that, listen to Richard Goldman, or is it Goldman or Goldberg? Goldman. Yeah. Goldman. Listen to Richard Goldman. Who who unequivocally does not blame, for, which is weird based on the story he gives, but he, he does not blame Bo Schembechler at all. Doesn't want Bo Schembechler held accountable, but acknowledges that he talked to Bo Schembechler on three, directly on about three separate occasions directly and heard an argument between Bo Shembecker and athletic director Don Canham heard the argument and them arguing about Dr. Anderson. And this is a guy who is a supporter of Bo Shembecker. So, you know, the, the more you hear these stories, the less realistic it is to take the standpoint of like, well, Bo couldn't have known because he was just such a great guy. like To me, it says that the people who are putting out these letters and who are furthering this effort, they just don't want to hear it. And... Uh, we talked about this on the last podcast. The big shame here, one of the biggest shames, is that if Bo Schembeckler wasn't a part of this, I don't think you would be seeing the type of pushback you're seeing. Mm-hmm. I think these guys who survived this, went through this, would be getting the support that they rightfully deserve. But because Bo Schembeckler and his name has now been added to this, it's like, well, screw these victims. They can't be telling the truth because they do drugs. They got kicked off the team. They got marriage issues. Like, And then you've got a guy like in the comment section like Dave Carr who says— you know, well, why wait all this time to come forward? And it's like, guys, this has been discussed. The the victims have literally come out and said why they waited, whether it was fear of a scholarship being taken away or they didn't even know that they were being sexually assaulted at the time. Like, this is all ground that has been plowed. And I, I really encourage people, like, do your homework and read about what these people have to say
0: before you want to come out and try to discredit them. Well, I've got I've got two answers for that question, too. Like, why would they wait so long, bro? They freaking didn't. There you go. Yeah, there's. They there's didn't. That. There's that. They tried to tell people back then, and it got swept under the rug and ignored. So there's answer number one. D- did all 900 of the people tell somebody? No. Like that's that's clear. No. When and we we've talked, and we've talked, we talked to John. Yeah, we yeah. talked to John and Chuck both directly, who said like, no, I I didn't realize what was happening was wrong, but it was absolutely wrong. So no, at the time I didn't tell I didn't tell anybody, but some people certainly did. So, this whole like, why did they wait so long? Some didn't. Some yep. Richard Goldman. He said the day, the day of his his exam, he went and told Bo, and it and nothing happened. And we we heard about other victims that have did had said the same thing. I told him nothing happened. I right. told Canham, nothing happened. So that I just I don't. Why is that well, question being asked? And still?
1: you and you want to know what's really crazy is not only why is that question being asked. But why is that question only being asked of the survivors and not of the University of Michigan? I don't hear anybody saying, "Why in the hell would the University of Michigan wait so long to take care of this?" Right? right? So, so for all of these questions that you want to ask the victims and you want to put them on trial, you need to turn some of those questions back to the University of Michigan. You need to be asking why the University of Michigan waited so long to handle it. You need to be asking why the University of Michigan is not releasing medical records to the patients themselves who are requesting it. You know, there's Questions that need to be asked at the University of Michigan that that aren't being asked right now, and I think I think the victims, you know, at least in terms of public opinion, they have gone through the process of telling their story and explaining themselves and talking about their background and and being vulnerable and and sharing experiences that, quite frankly, nobody would want to share, you know, to one other person, let alone in a room full of cameras and and live mm. on on television. So. I think now it's time, some of the, a lot of the focus
0: and the attention needs to be turned back at the university of Michigan and, and they need to be asked a lot of questions now. So this isn't typically my style. I usually don't do the hypothetical thing because it just doesn't make much sense, but I've seen good God. Have I seen some hypothetical nonsense from people that are like, well, this is how I think it went. I think the doctor did this. And then a guy went in and to told, like they, like they wrote a script. Like I yeah. literally seen someone write a script about like, this is what I think the conversation probably went like, like, Oh my God! Shut the hell up! Shut up! But anyway, this is a this is a this is this would be crazy. This would be crazy. What if it? What if from Mia, Maya, Mia or Maya? Sorry if I said your name wrong. What if it came to? What if it did eventually come out that Jim Harbaugh ended up being a victim? I mean, I don't know if that would have ever happened. Like we know that some some people went to the doctor and 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 didn't get assaulted. So like it's very possible that. Nothing weird ever happened to Harbaugh the whole time he was there. But honestly, can you imagine if he somehow had this awakening and came out and said, "You know what? I was one of the victims," and then his dad's name is on this damn letter? Yeah, like, well, it and, just and like it's crazy that you would just slap your name on this thing with <laughs> with right. just clear and obvious proof that something was amiss. I, or, I don't understand the motivation or forget. About, you know,
1: I, I think the. I think that ship has sailed in terms of Jim coming to a realization. Right. Whatever. whatever. Like, that's what I said. I don't do the
0: hypothetical thing, but like, it's just a scenario where you're like, well, there, there goes that. But, but I will say there is quite
1: possibly. And, and I would say it's even likely at this point that somebody who Jack Harbaugh is close with has a relationship with Mm -hmm. that. He cares about who cares about Jack Harbaugh went through this. And now you're looking at Jack Harbaugh, like Jesus Christ, like, you know like we were we were in this thing together like we had a bond we had a brotherhood and you know I've I've kind of just been left out here alone with all the, you know, with all the names of these people who just don't want to believe what it is I'm saying. And guys like, this is why people don't come forward. Like, do you honestly think that, you know, if, if the, you know, the hundreds of people who didn't come forward, do you really think that if they had come forward back in the seventies with Bo Schembechler in his heyday, that the response from the, you know, the general public would have been anything else. I mean, think about yourself as an African-American kid, you're, you're, you're in the state of Michigan from another state. You don't have your support group there. You're playing at the University of Michigan. Your coach is Bo Schembechler. You don't have access to the greatest healthcare in the world, so you're not even really sure how a physical is supposed to go. And yet, it's it's so easy for people to sit back and just say, "Well, why wait?" Like you, you really got to do your homework on this thing because the more people say that, especially as the days go on and the information comes out, like you really just look. Like, you should sit this one out. Like, you're, you're clearly not interested in hearing. And, and I've said this before. I think when people say, why wait, it's not a question, it's an accusation. Just like all these other questions that come out, like, why would you go back? Why would you do this? Why would you do that? You're basically, you know, you're accusing um, the people who went through this ordeal, and you're really not interested in what they're trying to say or what they have said, because if you were, you would know the answers to a lot of the questions you're asking.
0: Yeah, and... Another question that it's it's like the same type of question. Why did they wait so long to say something? The other like little offshoot of that is why didn't they go to the police? Like we heard from two firsthand accounts that they didn't even know they didn't even know it was they didn't even know it was a it was an incorrect or an illegal medical procedure. Why the hell would they think it was criminal? Right. Why why would they think to even go to the police when you're like all those things, Chris just listed. You're from where you're from. You're out of state. You're admittingly, admittingly uneducated. Like you just just don't even know like what you're supposed to get during a physical exam or in, in, in John's very specific case, the doctor says cancer. John's like, do whatever you need to do.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, I find out years later that was illegal and you were doing things like as a sexual monster. Like that's, why would you do that to me? Yeah. I thought you were checking me for cancer while my mom is at home in Missouri dying of cancer. Every case is a little bit different. I understand that. Not everybody who saw the doctor was molested. I understand that. But like the victims who have come out and told their story for this letter to be put together and for 100 people to sign it is like it's shameful. Yeah, it, it's, it's shameful. I would be. Oh, my God, I can't like if I if I was one of these kids, one of these people's. Child, I would be disgusted. I would be absolutely disgusted with my mom or my dad if they put their name on something like this. Yeah, it
1: will. It you know it, like we've talked about and we've said it before. However, you feel about him, you're 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 more than welcome to still feel that way about him. Like nothing has to change in terms of how you view Bo Schenbeckler or what he did at the University of Michigan. Mm -hmm. But when you start putting out letters like this and you start attaching your name to things like this. Now it's, you know, you're... I think it's counterproductive to what you're trying to do because if you think that a letter with a hundred signatures on it is going to salvage Bo Beckler's legacy at the University of Michigan, there is no salvaging it. You can you can put out as many letters as you want. You're not going to stop the investigations. You're not going to stop people from coming forward, and you're not going to stop this thing from heading where it's headed to. I don't think we nobody knows what the end road is is going to be in terms of what Michigan's going to pay out and what's going to happen with building names and statues. But I can assure you that these letters. Aren't gonna change that course at all. This thing is going where it's going.
0: Your name is attached to that forever. Correct. So congrat congratulations, you dummies. I, I bad move. I just don't I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean So it's it's now Saturday. We'll be back on the air doing another live stream on Monday. Um I mean, at this point, I would just assume that there's going to be another layer to this thing by then. I mean, you can't, I don't know how, with the way that this is trending and you know, I said this to Chuck, I'm sorry. I said this to John. It's, it's, it's so sad that there are now like sides it's team bow versus team victims. But like, it seems like they're almost like trying to, well, here we got this and we got this and we got punch, this counter got this. Punch. It, It's yeah. like, it's just, it's just horrible. And like the, the problem with that is, is that, the, the punch or the counterpunch coming from the victims absolutely needs to happen. Like they need yeah. to do that. Everything yeah. that they want to say and, and bring forward and tell they should. Right. And everything from the other side just shouldn't happen. It's, right. it's like, it's just so juxtaposed to what's what should be going on and what shouldn't be the right and the wrong here. It, I, it, I, you know what I've, I've seen people say like, well, that's convenient that, Okay, you can have your opinion, and anybody who disagrees with you is just automatically wrong. I just don't even go. I don't even understand how your brain gets to a point where you can look at this thing and say, like, I'm going to defend that side of it. Yeah, like I. That's, I mean, we, we we still have people defending Dr. Anderson, so we're not.
1: You know, we're not even in a position I mean, that's, anywhere. Like, I see it. Those, every those are day, though, every those day. are
0: fewer and far, but more far between but i have seen the whole like are we even sure that what he did was wrong it looks sounds like an army physical to me yeah, like yeah. you're you're an idiot you haven't read anything you haven't been paying attention to anything you haven't heard any of the first hand accounts of what he did if you still think that he's just putting a finger in a butt and feeling some balls then you're you're not paying attention you don't want to know the truth and you don't want to listen to what really happened because it's freaking disgusting what this dude did behind closed doors yeah. like it's 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 a level of disgusting that like I, I I can't understand how anybody would have those words come out of their mouth where they say, like, are we sure what he did was even that bad? Like, I got a physical from him. It was it was fine. Which, which is that, which never is in that me. Yeah, which like, is in that letter, by the way.
1: Yeah, Brandstatter, right? Like, yeah, I had him and uh, was fine. I didn't, I didn't notice anything. I didn't have any issue. Like, okay, Th- then kudos to you and good for you for not going through that. It's like, yeah. you know, I, do you want a, do you I, want do a you, cookie? You have, do you know how? Many, did I? I want to
0: call him names so bad. Is that bad?
1: Uh, no, it's not. bad. <laughs> do, do you know, like, do you think rapists? rape every single person they come into contact with like that's just not how it works like oh i i passed you know so and so at the grocery store he didn't rape me just seemed like a good dude so i you know couldn't have been i just the the defenses are are as more comes out the defenses in my opinion get weaker and weaker and the people who are continuing to defend
0: it just look dumber and dumber i sent a text to somebody that was along those lines it was like you know, a guy who's like, everyone's like, maybe the case hasn't solved yet or like what, whatever the case may be. But it's like a guy who's like, yeah, he, he's a murderer. Like that guy killed some people and you're like, didn't kill me. Right. Like, I'm good. Right. I'm good. Like, I don't believe that he did any of those things cause he didn't kill me. It's just like, when you, when you, when you put this into some different, some different examples and some different analogies, it sounds insane. But, and like but, this particular one sounds insane to me and to, I think to most people, but Jesus, dude, a hundred people, a hundred people that are well-known are on that list. It's so maybe that group is a little bigger than, than we thought. I, I thought it was like 90, 10. I did. I thought it was like 90% of people are on the side of this thing where it's like, all right, this was really bad. Bo knew. Let's just fix it. Let's just fix it and get, and get, and move on from it.
1: Do you know how I, I, I know we we say that from sitting in our seats, you know, but it just seems like the answer is simple. Like Michigan has work to do right to to make sure that they're doing right by anybody who went through this while they were at the university, but the way to fix it just seems so simple from where I'm sitting. And and think about what we're really defending. It's not or what the people who signed their name to that letter are defending. Like you want to do, you want to defend Bo's legacy, I get that. But at this point, Bo's legacy, you know, to me is different from those folks. And they're like I said, there's not any amount of letters that are come out that that will change that. But really, this isn't about Bo Schenbeckler losing his freedom or going to jail. This is really right. just about how he's remembered at the University of Michigan. And so I just I really don't understand the fight coming from the other side, which is basically to ensure that a statue remains and that Bo Schembechler's likeness remains all over campus and and the sayings remain all over campus because outside of that, nothing is really going to change. I'm going to feel about Bo Schembechler from now on the way that I feel about him based on the things that I've heard and the people who signed the hundred people that signed their name to that list, they're going to feel the way that they feel. And and guess what? That's allowed. Everybody can feel the way they want to feel. Um, but to, to go to this length to defend a statue and some sayings on a building and names of a building, uh, I, I wouldn't want to be on that side of it. I wouldn't be signing my name to a, a piece of paper like that. And I sure as hell wouldn't be doing that given where we're at in this process and how much more there is to come. And there is going to be another bigger investigation. And now you've sort of written in cement where you stand yeah. on this and you're going to have to own it.
0: Yeah, like. I mean, if they take a wrecking ball to the statue tomorrow, like Brandstatter can still drink bow sweat all he wants. Yeah, like you, I mean, do whatever can, you want. He dude. can
1: he can wear his bow hat all over town.
0: Do whatever you want. Do yeah. whatever you want. Doesn't change a thing. It's not going to change how you think about him. Like that's that's another thing that I like the the physical act of of a statue existing. Like it it doesn't do anything. Like it it just it it really doesn't do anything. That's right. another. It kind of got me thinking about, like, why the hell do we put statues up in the first place? Like, it's just yeah. kind of like a – maybe that doesn't even need to happen. I don't know. But, yeah, man, it, it was just a bummer to hear about that, you know, while I was driving in. And then, you know, I kind of do- dove into it a little bit more when we got here. And I'm like, oh, my God, man, we're going to have to do this again for, like, a half an hour or more. Yeah. And talk about these people that, like, just – I mean, just, they just don't seem to get it. They just don't seem to get it. And, it, and, and we can go back to the the same points we've made 50 times best case scenario in the world, which at this point has gone out the freaking window. If you ask me is that Bo did not knew, but this still took place on his watch, which means he sucked at what he was doing. Yeah. I mean like that, that's the best case scenario for them. Do you want a statue of that guy? You want right. a statue of the guy who had a doctor working for him for thirty years that raped a thousand people? Right, whether he knew about it or not, like th- that's the guy you want to put a statue up of. All right, I—I yeah. uh, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, the, you know, we don't even get into the whole like actual accomplishments as a coach because that's that's a, another that's another debate. He didn't win a national title even. Yeah, I, is there another college coach in the country who has a statue who doesn't have a national title?
1: I—I I, I have I no don't idea. Know. I'm not a big I'm not a big statue guy, so it's like to me it seems uh, to me the answer seems pretty clear. But but I, I do want to say what I've said before, and that's two things can be possible at the same time. Mm-hmm. That you know the things that they said in this letter that they released. Um, you know that Bo was you know they talk about his integrity and they talk about his character. You know. Those things can be true. Your experience with Bo and the person you knew can be true. Simultaneously, the other side of it can be true. You know, these things that the victims have come out and said and like, hey, I talked to Bo about this. Bo went to Canham. Bo was pissed off that, you know, Anderson was still employed. I told Bo that this exam happened and I wasn't I wasn't comfortable with it. That that can also be true. Like those two things can coexist. And so these these people that. Are rushing out to defend Bo Schembechler like okay cool but guess what the other side of that is can also still exist right like it's not like it's one or the other like I said before people are flawed people don't always make the best decisions um, and there's at this point there, there's no amount of letters that are gonna come out that are gonna you know remove this from being part of Bo legacy forever it's just it's just there I
0: agree no I agree wholeheartedly well Chris, we're going to have a good Father's Day tomorrow, man. I hope you I do. I hope so. I know I'm going to. I'm looking forward to it already. We will be back here on Monday. I'm not even going to say the words. We'll be back on Monday. <laughs> we'll Just, on yeah. Monday. And we'll talk about what we need to talk about. So we'll see what that is. Thanks everybody for listening. Check everything we put up around, put up uh, on WolverineDigest.com. I'm gonna jump into this commitment stuff, gonna take a deeper dive into the official visit weekend. Got some pretty good scoop out of there in terms of who Michigan is really recruiting pretty aggressively. So, uh, We'll have some good stuff coming out over the next couple days. Might be a little thin tomorrow. I think that's probably safe to say. Maybe okay. a little thin tomorrow, but we'll be back after it pretty hard on Monday, and that's when we'll be back live as well. Thanks for listening, everyone.